Welcome to the Mission Guys podcast, where we talk about anything related to leading transformation in the church. I'm Nick Jorgensen. And I'm Rick Pop, and we are missionaries at Acts 29. And as always, it's our hope that we can help you as church leaders, as leadership teams, as leaders of families, and leadership practitioners to more effectively mobilize the church to achieve its mission. So in today's episode, Rick, we're discussing an all-too-familiar situation in our parishes, our schools, our dioceses, other organizations we're a part of or been a part of, and that is the teams, groups, committees, whatever you might have in your realm, lacking purpose. And this lack of purpose for groups, subgroups, causes a whole host of issues trying to further the mission of your parish, your organization. So we hope to offer some practical help in addressing this today, in this episode. But with that, was open in a prayer, brother. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we just ask you to do that which only you can, and that is to convict our hearts and move us as we discuss and talk about what you have made so clear in the scriptures, and that is the need and purpose for vision, for clarity, so that we can fulfill the mission you've called us to, Father. Lord Jesus, we ask you to lord over our time together, our conversation right now. Inspire us as we discuss and anyone who sits in on this conversation to just really hear you speak to our hearts uniquely through it. So come, Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Nick. Hey, you were the uh, inspiration for this episode, Nick. Um, and we're thinking of committees in teams and groups and especially in ministry, but this is everywhere. You know, we've been in organizations, corporate America, in the church, in the parish, working with dioceses, and certain teams, committees, groups are often miserable organizations where we waste time, we're frustrated, we're not excited to go there, there's confusion, there's turf war, stress, fatigue, and just slowing down and not only is it not helping the mission, but it tends to be the source of angst pulling away from the mission. And so that's that's why I'm glad you brought it up. And I think and hopefully um, we can share our thoughts, our experience. And I think we have a good approach in our mission challenge to help leaders out there to rege- rejuvenate, if you will, or re-energize and, and move away from committees and move more into highly functional teams and teams that are truly advancing the mission. Yeah, this this one's near and dear to our hearts, and we know the hearts of a lot of um, people we work with. I mean, how many times, Rick, have we been engaged with a, a leader in the church, and it, it just feels like there's like they're, they're bogged down and weighed down by so many different, like, entities that exist around them. And, you know, and ultimately, like, if we're in leadership, we're the ones responsible for those groups, and it's not clear why they exist. It's not clear what they're doing. It's not clear uh, the work they're trying to accomplish. And we get we get frustrated as the leader. And I want to make this point right out of the gate that when you're the leader and you're frustrated and confused by the groups that are supposed to be serving the mission with you, but like in reality, they're subservient to your role. It's your responsibility. It's your it's your God given responsibility <clears throat> to correct that and alleviate that suffering, alleviate the problems. And so we just want to put it in its proper place right from the start of this conversation. 
Let me share one of my own examples. So I was you know, working in corporate America at the time, and I felt convicted that I wasn't doing anything for our parish. And I needed to be a more active member of our parish. And I had somewhat of a heart for uh, Christian service. So I look it up and see, okay, the Christian Service Commission, they're looking for new members. And so I uh, sign up and go to the first meeting. And, and it, the meeting was a, a lot of people. And there was a lot of paper. I remember a lot of printed stuff handed out, a lot of things. There was a lot of activity going on. And it was a nice group of people, very nice. And uh, there was a retired uh, couple that were leading it. And, and they're salts of the earth kind of people, you know, really, really good, uh, good human beings you know, and strong Catholics. And, and yet I found myself, wow, what, like, what did we just do? And are we accomplishing anything? And I remember going through this journey. I went to the next meeting. I went to the next meeting. And, and I was struggling with it saying, am I just so uptight? that I need to have productivity. I need to see things getting done. Is the Lord challenging me in a way that says, cool your jets. Not everything has to be like stressful corporate America and step back. Let me do the short version of the story. And we'll get into a little bit later when we talk about um, how those meetings can transform and how in this case they did transform. But in the end, these aren't the meetings, you know, the, these meetings and these committees end up sucking energy out of people who are on fire for the mission. And so we think we have ways of, of, of taking it from that, you know, a bunch of good people. Um, and there's reasons why it happens. I mean, we, we know why some of this happens. And, and in this case, I'll start, I'll start some thoughts here, Nick, around um, for some, that's their social outlet. For some, it was like, oh, this is great. We're going to have our committee meeting. We get together and we're friends, and which is part of it. We do want those to be enjoyable. It's enjoyable and achieving the mission. It's enjoyable and ta taking full advantage of the talents and the energy and the time of the people in that room, the members of the parish. So there are other reasons why these, these meetings become so ineffective, especially in ministry. Another one is we... As leaders, sometimes we don't want to offend people. We start to we start to have a hunch or an intuitive sense that says this group maybe has lost its way. Maybe it's the right the right um, forum, but the wrong people, or maybe it's just actually something that needs to be let go of so we can start a new thing or or put put these great people somewhere else. But we're afraid to offend those who have been longstanding members or even short. You know, so you just know that oh man. You know, Mike loves this group, and it's just gonna—it's just gonna hurt him if I if I if I stop the group. At the end of the day, it's, it's we're in that moment we're compromising the bigger mission for Mike's mission. Uh, so, not offending people is a big reason we don't we don't address this. In, in addition, so use your Mike example. So, if this Mike is also working on something that is called like evangelization, or if it's called Christian service, um, or if it's called discipleship, you know, that's the other thing. It's like, are you going to argue that? Do you get rid of either Mike or the topic? And yet we're not being real clear about what's the purpose of that group, that team, that committee. And so then we hold back a little bit. You don't want to be that guy or that woman that comes in and says, this isn't serving any purpose. And so both you're offending Mike, who's a good man, and you're talking, and you're questioning a topic that is pretty tough to question. Another reason we sometimes keep 
keep this suffering happening, this problem happening, is long-standing groups. You know, there's that very tired cliche, as we talked about when we were building this this episode, Rick, of we've always had, we've always done it that way. We don't want to, we don't want to just keep pressing that cliche, but long-standing groups is a reality. You know, if you're the new pastor, you've been there two years, but this group's been around or this entity's existed for 15 or 20 years or even five years just before you got there, it can feel more challenging to go, I don't know why this started. I'm questioning it and I might not feel like I have the relational capacity yet to do it. But it's not about what the, the number one reason is always the mission. And so the, the, those, those answers around having longstanding groups or committees or councils is not valid in terms of keeping it going. One more that follows right from that in my mind, Rick, is we just don't pray. You know, um, so, some of us, are, we've just forgotten our first love, but we just don't pray before our meetings well or to start the meetings well. You know, we see prayer often as an agenda item and we, we'll, we'll beat this horse the whole time we ever run the Mission Guys podcast because it's that important. Yeah. We don't pray. So, you know, you might picture yourself on some group or committee and you start with a simple, powerful, sure, Hail Mary, but it wasn't praying in order to know what to do. We, we often are praying for God to bless the meeting we're about to have, but the idea of praying in order to know what to do is not a concept we're, we're usually embracing um, in our in our ministries, let alone in our like subcommittees and subgroups, and that's going to be critical to purpose and clarity and life and joy and unity of mind and heart. So if we're not praying well, you, you know, even if we what started well is going to end poorly. So the prayer piece is critical. We also recently did an episode on being overwhelmed. We also recognize that people tend to be so busy with their lives both in the church and outside of the church. And if you're volunteers, you come in and you see that these are dysfunctional groups, but it takes time to improve them too. And it's, it's sometimes it's not worth the energy and all the other reasons. So there, there's a million reasons why these dysfunctional committees or teams exist, especially in the church. So what can we do about this? So we, we think we're gonna help our listeners out there, our leaders, especially in the church, but it's everywhere. In response to this, there's a simple chart. We call it chartering. It's a chartering process for teams, groups, committees to go through just to help correct and alleviate all these issues we talked about. So in essence, what doing this chartering is basically defining and being explicit in a simple way. So picture a one pager, if you will, and it doesn't have to be any more than that. It doesn't even have to be a one page, but a charter is, is establishing what this forum, this group, this team. Now, we'll strongly recommend teams and ultimately families on mission over committees. Committees are usually larger groups of people that are sharing their opinions, but teams tend to be smaller groups, say five to eight, and they're really targeted on the mission of that group. So this chartering concept is making clear and writing it down, what is this forum all about? And we'll go through the elements of this chartering. But Nick, in our in our experience so far, the organizations that have done this, whether it's in the secular world, whether it's in ministry, to be clear on their purpose, to, to, to do what we call chartering, it's night and day on how they operate. It is night and day on how they operate. And this does not, if you have a decent amount of clarity established at your parish or at your school or whatever group you're part of, this does not take long. I mean, Rick, we were with a team, uh, a leadership team, in real time in the room. I think in about 30 minutes, we were able to charter a brand new team to go 
work on some investigative type of work, some uh, creating ideas and doing a little bit of kind of um, uh, analytics to try and figure out what another group of people needed to be served well. Anyway, but it, so this doesn't take long if you have some clear, uh, if you have some clarity about the, the larger mission. If you don't have that, it might feel a little bit more challenging, but you can still make significant progress with just a little bit of space and time as you walk through this. So I just want to, to address that as we start here. So the, one of the first things, a couple of the first things you'll do is just very simply picture out that Rick said that one pager at the top name of the group and the date of the start of this charter, right? <laughs> um, flowing from that, you want to put the larger organizations like mission statement or why you exist statement to make sure there's a really clear tie in right out of the gate to the larger mission, the larger organization. And to make it tangible, as, as you think about, let's just use an example where you may have a parish council. Say you have a parish council, and you may be considering or also have a pastoral leadership team or a strategic leadership team. And they're two entities that need to really understand what each other does. You don't want to have them both doing the same thing. So it's, let, let's call the one the, your typical, more typical parish council, and the other one is a parish leadership team. And they charter so that they really recognize why would you have two entities that could potentially be doing the same thing. And just, just to illustrate a little bit further for this element of it, let's say the parish council is more focused on being the voice of the pews, being the voice of those throughout the parish. And so if that's their mission, to be able to be the group that's so in touch with, what, with what's happening out there, that they're going to, in their strategy then, and in how they operate and what they do, they're going to be out and reaching out and listening to people and intentionally making contact with people, creating collisions, as we call it. The strategic leadership team or the mission leadership team could, on the other hand, be those that are working most closely with the pastor or the bishop in case of a diocese. And they are thinking and praying and developing strategy for the future of the organization. In this case, it's the parish. The parish, what's the future? Now, the groups have to interact. You have to understand what the voices of the pews are, but that's the primary purpose of that. Now, I'm not saying every parish council, that would be their purpose, but the point is they've got to be clear. If these two groups exist, and if there's so much overlap, then you then you get rid of one of them. But the exercise that Nick and I will be describing here will help you get to that point to say, do you really need two different groups? It's a great example, Rick, and a very common one. In fact, I think we'll probably need to do an episode at some point on parish leadership teams versus parish councils because it is such a, uh, a big topic in, in, in the work of parish transformation right now. So we said the name, the date, the parish mission or why we exist statement flowing from that is why does this group specifically exist? Right, so use, using the example, why does the parish council exist or why does... You know, the stewardship committee exists or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, after the next one, how they behave, how will this group behave? So ideally, the parish or school, again, whatever organization has core values or, or mission values that, that aren't just like words on a wall, but are genuine drivers of common behavior. Those values would, should necessarily inform the work of and govern the work of 
any team charter, that's going to be that's going to be the grounds by which you can all hold each other accountable and have certain expectations of one another. So the behavior piece is is big, and one of those behaviors is praying, not just before we start the work, but praying in order to know what the work is. So this prayer piece is really a behavior. So you know whether you whether you have a value that embodies prayer or not in this section would be where you want to mention prayer prayer prayers the most fundamental component of any of the groups we're chartering. And there's an expectation on how we pray, not just that we pray. So again, on, on behaviors, on how this committee or this team or this group, ideally it's a team or a family on mission, they would they should we recommend is you adopt the larger organization's behaviors. And if you need to go a step further and, and do another behavior that's really specific to that team, then be open to that as well. But we really recommend adopt the overall organization's behaviors and demonstrate it in that particular role. Also included in your charter is what this group's actually going to do. So what are they? what is this group seeking to do on behalf of the organization? Another thing to include is the time frame. So often uh, one of the burdens is, you know, Father, you're asking me to sign up for this, but I have no concept of how long this group's going to exist or if it's a standing one that just kind of has a no end in sight, you know, how long will I serve on it? Or is there a, is there a, an intentional check-in after a year or two or six months or three months to say, you know, hey, now that we've discovered a set of things, we're going to re-up the term limit or we're going to say this group's going to exist for two more years. And if this is a chance for people to step off or step on. So a time frame and term limit as needed are really important. Nick, I'll use the example that Christian service group that I joined, by the time my tenure was done there, the, the group really transformed how we operated, who was there. It was great. It had a very clear purpose statement for that particular team. It had the team values, which happened to be the broader parish team values. So they had part of this was terms of service. And so each person was on the committee, on this commission for three years. And there was a there was a start of their responsibility. There was the end of the responsibility, and it was in a staggered fashion, so you wouldn't always be losing people at the same time. It talked about the frequency of meetings. They had a we had a monthly meeting, and it was on the fourth Monday of every month, and it was from you know seven to nine. And it said you know there may be some adjustments around holidays, but that was it. And each member even signed a commitment that said, "I'm committed to make every meeting." And if I miss more than two meetings in a year, I voluntarily step off of the committee. It was that important. We, there was no such thing as a, I'm just a volunteer. It's like you're either in or you're not in. And then there were operating guidelines, how we were to behave, how we uh, manage in our meetings. And then we developed even a process in that case. So some norms for that, for that meeting. And all those are part of this charter. It's time frame of terms, time frame of term limit. What is the role? Who's the leader? What are the teammates? What are the rules? The norms, the commitments of how, in this case, was Christian service. How does a how does a ministry get added to the list of things? How does a ministry get taken off? And there was a real clarity around that. And so these norms, and then and then even how often, how frequently, and how, in which way do you communicate with the pastor? You know, that should all be part of the norms as well. These types of things that Nick and I have just described would be part of this charter. Again, it sounds like a lot, but it's a page or less, and it's super clear. 
simple is hard. To have simple clarity is hard to do. But that's what we're challenging people to do is develop that charter for any significant team in your organization. Like you said, it's simple. But also, we don't want people to be rigid about this. So if you're a leader, fill out what you have at a glance, you know, and, and, and check with other people what they think or what, you know, what, what, their, what their thoughts are about it. And if you don't, it's not like if you don't have a complete charter, a team can't exist or that group can't keep living. But it's to say, hey, we have gaps here that we really need to seriously consider and, and fill out so that we do have the right amount of clarity so that there is uh, a vision for people to thrive in in this group or this 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 committee or this team. So it's really important that you just take the time to, you know, say to yourself, I'm going to take this work on. I'm going to invite others to be a part of it. And I'm going to invite them to help me think through it. So you don't get burdened by the, the don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good in this case. So let's talk about making this change, uh, this shift, if you will, as a leader. What is maybe some thoughts, some advice, some tips on, on doing this. The first one that for me comes to mind is just, uh, knowing the episode we just did overwhelmed, knowing the state of leadership oftentimes uh, in different organizations, especially in ministry, it's just to breathe and, and, and to really pray and say, you know, if I believe this is important and I pray, I pray you do, I'm going to make the time in my calendar to actually step back to do this work. And, you know, we've been saying lately, you have to go slow so that you can go fast. This is, this is another one of those go slow so you can go fast moments. You have to slow down, do the right amount of planning, the right amount of clarity so you can address this real suffering people feel, this real frustration people experience, and then to really drive to a new place of vision and clarity. And, and then also what you're going to experience is the amount of work that can get done from this place is increases significantly because it's the right kind of work, very focused on mission, and uh, more people want to come be a part of things where their time is valued and honored. One of the most valuable leadership tools is what we call appreciative inquiry. And so the mindset of, I'm not going to go in and challenge and change every committee and every team and put them on their heels. It's the opposite. It's entering into appreciative inquiry, asking questions in a charitable way, and then truly listening, asking people, how's it going with that committee? What seems to be working very well? How might you even get better and pray with those leaders? So if you're the leader, you're the leadership team, you're approaching all these various leaders, you might even be leading them yourselves in some of the subgroups. It's praying with the leader and the team itself to, to, to ask, Lord, Lord, show us, show us, help us see with your eyes and hear with your ears. How are we doing? Are we on mission? Are we operating in the way that you want us to operate? So praying, and Lord, how can we even get better? You know, this idea of it doesn't have to be completely dysfunctional and horrible to get better. We always re reference the Olympic model. Fastest man in the world, Usain Bolt back in the day, had a coach and multiple coaches. He wanted to shave a tenth of a second off of the world record. How do you even get better? So some truly are dysfunctional. Some are truly broken. Some need to be eliminated. And that will come out. There's not a hurry on that. But there is a sense of urgency to get all those good people who are given their time and talent to be able to make sure it's giving their time and talent on mission. In addition to that, really recognizing how the, each committee, each team 
fits into the larger organization's purpose. Now, if the larger organization, if the parish or the diocese of the school doesn't have clarity and purpose, it's very hard for any team to achieve its own clarity. The sub-clarity, if you will, has got to be clearly aligned and directly connected to the overall clarity of the organization's purpose. And then ask yourself the question, is this fill in the blank, right? So name of the group or whatever it might be, is this critical to the mission? Do they fill a gap or do they look after a critical area of the mission? And then in light of that too, is this, is is this exciting? And I'm not talking about some kind of touchy feely excitement. I mean, do you have real joy and, and, um, and energy about the work that that group is doing? Just, it's not about personal interest here either, right? I'm not saying that, Oh. Hey, I love to golf, so we should have a golf committee. I have a lot of a lot of energy behind it. I'm saying you might you might really not enjoy the particular work they're doing yourself, but is it mission critical? And so therefore, I feel a real sense of like pride and joy that this this is getting done and it's being accomplished, so that we can do the mission God is calling us to. So in that sense, is there an excitement, an energy behind it, a passion for it to be done, even if you're not the one doing it? Nick, that's another great point. As we continue to do our work, even even ourselves, when we are at the most joy is that we know, we have this sense that we are on the right path. And even when it's travel, even when it's time away from family, which is hard, we know it's for the right reasons. And when we're on the opposite of that, we are starting to question, man, is the work we're doing really what is intended? Is this what we're supposed to be doing? And that's where we start to question. And we see it in the people we're working with. When they get bogged down, when these leaders get bogged down, it's when there's these questions of, is this bureaucracy getting in the way of me doing what the Lord wants me to do? And so I think you're right on on that one. And so that's part of this, this, this questioning, this looking. Is this, is this truly, there's power in the gospel. And if the gospel is telling us that we have a mission, that we are to respond to what Jesus did for us, and what the Lord, the God has done for us. And if our response, if we're convinced it's our response, that brings energy. And so that is an indicator of how it is. And so, you know, another thought on that is as you're making these changes, it's okay to, to pilot. It's okay to pause. So this, I, this example of parish council and a strategic leadership count, or team, if you're just starting a new strategic team, you're not sure how it's going to impact the parish council, put a pause on that for a while. Talk to the parish council. See, hey, we're, we're thinking of a different governance model. Now, that might not work for you, so we're not saying do it. But you're, it's okay to pause. It's okay to say we're going to try this for a while. Give it a few months. Let's see how this plays out. Let's tweak. Let's charter. Let's see how it goes. Let's tweak. All right? So, so the idea of either pausing and or doing a pilot, see how it goes. And, and, then, and then all the while, you're communicating. You're talking to all of those. You're involving all those most affected by the change. And you're involving them. They're getting ideas. Back to that appreciative inquiry. And then ultimately, you can make the decisions that are driven by prayer. Because ultimately, you're going to take it to prayer. And you're going to get clarity and come back. And then you'll have the confidence, even if you're going to have some naysayers, who really, they rely on that as their identity. Some people rely on their committee involvement and their role in the parish as their identity. And it's, it's so they might defend their turf, you know, they might defend their committee, as opposed to really being detached and open and saying, Lord, 
if this is your will, I want to do what's best for this parish, for your church, your body in this in this area. Rick, you nailed the big one there with the communication piece. I think so often, you know, in our work currently where we are running with leaders and accompanying them on their journeys to get even better. Um, so often we communicate in a less than human way um, for so many reasons. But without getting to the reasons, it's like, check yourself. Uh, how am I saying this? How am I communicating this? If you're questioning someone's group they've been a part of, if you're questioning their purpose and you just do that by email, that's going to feel very hurtful. Yeah. You know, but to have a pastor or a leader show up to the meeting and say, hey, you guys, I'm working on getting to be a better leader. And I'm increasingly aware that we're not nearly clear enough across the whole parish about what it is we're trying to accomplish. And I just want to have a conversation with you today and pray with you about how we're doing what we're doing and how it's going for you personally. That 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 takes defenses way down yeah. because it's a journey we're on together yeah. and I'm doing it in a very human way. So just think about. The way you're doing it being just as important as what you're doing. And that's another example, Nick. Another that's another great example. And you're role modeling then as the pastor or as the principal, as you're going into these various committees, as you're going into these various teams and demonstrating that appreciative inquiry and really seeking to understand and listening and and praying with them. I mean that praying with them so the focus goes off of me and you and it's to him up above, you know, that takes out a lot of that negativity, even if there is brokenness in there. So again, that's always, you're evangelizing as the way in which you're doing this in asking. Well said, brother. That makes me think of an example from diocesan ministry, both uh, being a part of it at times and then helping others in their ministries. It is It has been a repetitious occurrence in my experience that there will be a really well-intentioned, um, deeply passionate leadership kind of entity that sees kind of a, a need for a new reality and will like almost instantaneously create four new groups, four new committees that are supposed to get all this work done to accomplish the mission. And they get simultaneously created with all these people. And then six months later, everyone's confused and trying to figure out what their role is. And the only thing they really are clear about is the name of the group they're a part of and when they're meeting. They don't really know what they're supposed to do. And then 12 months from then we go, man, I feel like everything's taking forever. I feel like it's, I feel like this is so difficult, you know, or why isn't that group doing this? Or why isn't that group doing their job? But the thing is, nobody actually really knows what their job is. And so that, that friendly reminder to say, if there's a little fog in your mind as the leader, there's a dense fog in the people that you're raising up to do the work. And this goes back to the biblical example. It's not an example. A biblical charge from Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, the people will perish. Without a vision, people will perish. That word vision appears all throughout the Old Testament. No matter how you translate it, the point is this. Without a God-given vision, our ministries, our groups, our committees will never be focused. They'll be, they'll be, they'll be scattered. They'll be divided. They'll be distracted and confused and frustrated. And so it's critical that we just take this biblical wisdom to say God gives visions. He gives clarity of purpose to us as his disciples, as his people. And because of that, we can be sure that he will also give clarity of purpose and vision to every group that the Lord really wants to establish. And that will create spiritual movement. You might have a lot of activity with a group. 
But the spiritual movement is not going to happen without a vision. And that's really important to say again. You might have a lot of activity on a group or a committee or your team even, but it will not see spiritual movement without a vision from the Lord himself. So for any of you who haven't had a chance to uh, listen to our podcast on the third essential principle that God has a plan, being docile to the Holy Spirit, this this all hinges on being able to pray and listen to the Lord and having that clarity so that you're confident that the, that the direction, the purpose is coming from the right place. So with that, Nick, let's turn to our mission challenge. So our mission challenge uh, this episode is for each of you as leaders, and especially you as pastors or principals, is create an inventory of all your committees, all your teams, all your groups, and then invite the leader of each of those groups to join you in this journey to get even better. So have them take the lead in making this one-page charter for each forum or each group, and then prayerfully together discern what, if any changes, are needed to best advance the mission of your parish, your diocese, your school, your apostolate. And as guidelines or as thought starters, think team over committee. Teams of five to eight versus large committees. Think of minimizing wasted time, wasted talent and energy. And yet there is the human element. It's not wasting time if you're building relationships. That if it brings joy of purpose to every team by spending some time together and getting to know each other, that's not wasted time. But we're talking about wasted time in bureaucracy, in floundering, in being confused. So with that, let's close in prayer, Nick. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for the leaders in the church, the leaders in our schools, the leaders in our families, leaders of your body on this earth. We ask that you bless them, continue to pour graces upon them, to be able to weather the storms, to have clarity of purpose, clarity of mission, to give them courage, strength, fortitude, wisdom. Heavenly Father, in this regard, we're asking you to, to give them the, the love of all in their care as they approach all of their teams and all of their committees, that they truly can question with appreciation that they could partner and enter into looking at each entity in light of their overall mission so that they can achieve that clarity through prayer and that they can put in their charters the submission for every one of these groups so that they all work together like parts of a body in being one and being one in you. And we pray this in the beautiful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. We ask for everyone who's engaged with us on these, on these podcasts to really send feedback if you have any. Any ideas, thoughts, questions to the mission guys at acts29.org. That is the mission guys at acts29.org. And so that's it for episode nine. Go give your teams clear purpose. <laughs>